Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, nationalities, and creeds, welcome back to another episode of A Bit of Anything podcast. I am your host, Tyler, with, as always, with my friend, Dr. Dan. Dr. Dan. Dr. Dan. It's been a long time. Again, it has, and but we're back. We finally both got moved into new houses, and I think we should be able to do this a little bit more frequently. Um, I agree, but it's been a long, long time, and I think the people want to know what's on the docket for this evening. If I fall asleep, it's because my daughter roofied me uh, with a melatonin gummy. <laughs> And I may have, I may just pass out right in the middle of the of the podcast. So if that happens, don't worry. Doctor Dan is here, and he will take care Amen. of you. And I want the reader or the listeners to understand that uh, Tyler and I did have the when your daughter's your drug dealer talk, and I think I think we kind of have an understanding now. But we don't need to, to worry about that. Um, but I'm going to make a plug for my website, NoHoldsBarredSports.com. Go there and hear some of our shows or catch some clips and see some articles about some insight into current NFL topics. So tonight we can start with Tyler's favorite coaching duo. Oh boy. Adam Gase and Bob himself, Billy O'Brien. Um, Two great coaches. I can definitely say great coaches. Great, great coaches. I was a little bit surprised that Gase outdid him outlasted him this is true this is very true i am surprised that he's still a coach (laughs) to be downright (laughs) honest with you of any kind whether it be head uh backup water boy uh yeah i he's i mean he ruined miami and then New York was like, let's give this guy another try. It wasn't even that long after Miami canned him because he was terrible there. And then he gets this, he gets another job. He gets another shot. And I, it was right before he signed that they signed Le'Veon Bell, correct? I think it was in, in like... Because <clears throat> he didn't want Le'Veon Bell. It must Bell. have been, yes. He didn't want Le'Veon Bell, so you're right. They signed him before they signed Gase. And then they fired the GM a month or two later. Yes. McCagnon or something like that. McCagnon. McCagnon. There we go. McCagnon. Yeah. So I had this theory about their, uh, about the press conference, you know, with the little, uh, yeah, the infamous floating taco. The taco and, uh, Adam Gase looking extensively high. Well, he's sitting next to, uh, Christopher Johnson, who's the owner's brother of the Jets, and he's currently team president, I believe, something along those lines. So he's running football operations. And I couldn't help but notice Christopher Johnson's haircut. Tyler, did you notice his haircut? No, all I can see is that floating taco look where he's just okay. looking off into distant lands. I'm not sure where he was looking at, but it definitely was oh. not... On this earth. No, this is this was later when you're sitting down and he's he's trying to think about what he's done with his life to become the Jets coach and why he accepted the job. But um, Christopher Johnson has 
what they call a widow's peak. It's the receding hairline. And, and not only is it receding into a widow's peak, but the whole thing is kind of shifting backwards. The whole, the whole hairline's moving south on him. And so what he decided to do is accentuate that by having it dyed brown while the sideburn areas of his head are kind of like this yellowish gray type color. So sounds terrible. That, it, it is pretty terrible. It makes his head look very big. And I happen to notice Adam Gase right next to him with almost the exact same baldness pattern. And I'm like, <laughs> are these guys somehow in cahoots because of their haircut? Have you seen that? Remember there was a commercial a couple of years back where the guy's sitting in the office with a bunch of other people waiting for his interview, and he looks up and sees the picture of all the office people, and they're all bald. He goes and shaves his head in the bathroom and gets the job. Yes. Yes, I have. I remember that commercial. <laughs> Not as quite yeah. as good as the Terry Tate office linebacker commercials. Well, that's... But I do remember that commercial <laughs> yeah. where he shaves his head. Yes. I think that... Uh, I don't know. I just think that that's interesting. But anyway, yeah, Gase... Um, like, like, what the hell, Gase? What is he doing? I don't know. You see him? I, I mean... I don't know what he thinks, and I don't understand how he gets away with what he thinks. I, I mean, a normal, I a normal <laughs> team, even a team such as the Dolphins, who hasn't sniffed success in a long, long time, they even knew to get rid of him. Like, yeah. I don't... But, like, you know when they show him on TV, his hat is pulled, like, way down, he's hiding behind his... For uh, his uh, playbook, right? School play sheet, and like to me, his body language kind of says like I may not have said a word to any of the people around me at all today. Yeah, <laughs> I can see just, that. You know what I mean? And it's like, um, how's he going to motivate guys when they're like, this guy, like this guy's a punk, or at least he treats everybody like a punk. Like he doesn't seem like. I, I don't know. Like, he just doesn't seem – he either doesn't want to be there or he's not comfortable being there. Well, I mean, imagine being so terrible of a, of a coach that maybe he does feel, like, inept. He should because he's – we've had this talk many times that he's just completely in over his head. I don't know what yes. he did or who he killed – what dirt somebody has on him, or he has on somebody, I guess, to stay the coach of any team, let alone, like, he kind of, doesn't he kind of act as the GM in a way? I, no, they do have a new GM. Okay. But he, he was kind of like interim GM, but I don't know that they let him do much. They certainly didn't let him do as much as the next guy, but... But before we leave Gase alone, I mean, I thought that Sam Darnold act like he looked pretty salvageable on Sunday. He looked like he's got some toughness. He's got an arm. He has no coaching. Right. No coaching. But, not really any offensive line. His receivers then, are putrid. He's got oh, one yeah. decent receiver that's like one more injury away from never playing again in uh was is it uh Crowder yeah yeah 
and he's he like one this... more knee surgery away from never walking again. But I, I don't know. Like I, I just, and I look at the Sam Darnold situation and the Gay situation is kind of linked to it, where it's like pretty soon they're going to have to decide whether or not to give Darnold like a hundred million dollar contract. That it's coming, and so. Is that worth it? Because it looks like Gase doesn't want him on the team. It looks like Gase doesn't want anybody on the team. He gets rid of, um, <clears throat> what was his name? The safety? Uh, Jamal Adams. So I didn't, yeah, Jamal Adams, who I didn't even think was going to get traded, but they did get two first-round picks for him, which is surprising. But could they trade Darnold and get some more picks? Do you trust them to use those picks wisely? I mean, you'd have to get a new, you'd have to get a new coach, and you'd have to get a new GM, yeah, and you'd have to be like, all right, this is a completely new regime, and I mean, you could probably get, I would say at least one first, if not maybe two for so. Darnold, perhaps. And like, if if a team sees him and sees that like he's got something, and like the Jets are so bad that he like. like like, if I would rank Darnold ahead of um, Josh Rosen by quite a bit. I think Darnold's the kind of guy that, like, guys would rally around. So he'll go out there and yeah, get punched in the face. I think so, too. And I don't think he's <laughs> dumb. I think he just he no. has no help whatsoever. He doesn't um, have help from his coach. He doesn't have help from players around him. Let, I mean, they're running uh, Frank Gore is like their main running back right now. Listen to us speaking of running backs. Let's talk about Gase's ability to evaluate personnel. You know, Kalen Ballage or Callen Ballage. I don't know Ballage, how to pronounce Ballage, I think, is how you Ballage, I heard okay. them say it. Thank you. I didn't know it was French. Okay, <laughs> but um, <laughs> Ballage was involved in a mixed trade in the offseason where the Jets tried to trade a seventh-round pick to the Dolphins in order to get Balage, And then Balage failed his physical. The trade was canceled, and then Miami released him, and then he signed with the Jets. Yes. So I was just going to say, you know, how well did he do in pass protection on Sunday night? He did so well that he got fired on Monday. So that should tell you how well Gase has any idea of what he's talking about, because this is a guy that he brought from Miami where he was, where I think he drafted the guy. And he doesn't even last four games or five games. Wow. I just think that that that's kind of funny. That does hurt, right? That hurts a lot so, because you're like basically saying, I goofed up once, let's bring him back. And then you're, you're willing to admit that, yeah, I goofed up again on the same player. <laughs> that takes talent. Yeah. It does. It really takes yeah. a lot of talent to be able to do that. So, I, I like. It would not surprise me if one day I see that he signs back to the Jets this year, and I'm just like laughing hysterically, like like why? Like that's like telling everybody, like, hey guys, remember the guy I told you that wasn't very good at his job, and I fired him. Well, I forgot that and hired him again. <laughs> exactly, and <laughs> you're like. And then everybody looks at you like, well, you just told us that he stunk at his job. Yeah, but we're going to give him another chance. Yeah, well, I got, I had a few, and then the, 
I did whatever I did on that taco night. And... Yep, I had a few drinks <laughs> and a taco, and then I saw some floating tacos, and I decided, you know what, that guy wasn't really that bad. I overreacted, <laughs> and I just need I need him back on the team. That it's just yeah, that is weird. It is very weird. Speaking of waiting for Miller time until after work, let's talk about Billy O'Brien. He drinks on the job. It's he's got to, or <laughs> what? He, he he used to drink on his job because he no longer has a job. Have you seen the picture of him, uh, like his coaching profile picture? No. I wish I could see this. Um, he looks like he's got this smile on his face, like he just got caught doing something really weird. I don't know, like what it would be, but it was—it'd be like everyone would be like, "What the hell?" He just looks like so awkward. I'm gonna look it up. I wonder if it'll still have it since he. Uh... Yeah, I wonder where that picture would be on on ESPN, maybe or like a profile picture of him somewhere. I don't even know if they have them for the coaches. But it's like a picture that I see on like ESPN. <clears throat> yeah, just his. Anyway, so Bill O'Brien in the off season, apparently he gets approached by top three NFL wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, who might be the best possession wide receiver in the past. I don't know how many decades, and I mean that's saying something because he might be better than Larry Fitzgerald, who. It's probably mentor him, mentoring him right now right, in Arizona. Right. Um, but anyway, Hopkins wanted a $27 million a year deal. And Bill O'Brien somehow got the okay to trade Hopkins for a second-round pick, um, David Johnson, and what else? It was like some other nonsense. Maybe it was like a fourth-round pick or a fifth-round pick or something it didn't matter because why in the hell couldn't you get a first round pick for DeAndre Hopkins? Yeah, like why couldn't you get at least two the first best round picks? receiver in the game right yeah. now? And he couldn't even why... score a first round draft pick for him. Right. Or like a, a trade that I thought would have made sense was how about Larry Fitzgerald goes to the Texans? They kind of trade ones because Larry's at the end of his career. So he only has a couple years left. So Arizona replenishes their receiver, ships him off. I mean, that would have made sense to try to push for that. But, like, they, it seems like he just got tired and was like, you know what, whatever. Just give them what they Fine. want. Yeah, just give them what they want. I want it to be done with. And it's like, what? So then he decides to go out and sign Randall Cobb to a $27 million deal. Randall Cobb like, is old now. I don't know if he knows that. So Houston it's traded 20, it's Hopkins. the same number, $27 million. Hopkins and... I mean, it's not for one year, but then they signed Brandon Cooks. Right. And Kenny and, Stills. Oh, wait. They, they traded for Brandon Cooks. They yeah. traded the second-round pick that they got for Brandon Cooks. Yeah, they got him. They, they decided to say, oops, we made a mistake. And then they go get the guy who's like... One of those guys that they say he's like a candle, one blow and he's out. Right. Houston trades Hopkins in a fourth round pick to the Cardinals for Johnson, a second and a fourth. 
Yeah, so you're trading, you're exchanging fourth round picks, which is essentially worthless. So and you're, and... you're essentially getting a second round pick in David Johnson. Right, and David Johnson hasn't been good in like two years. Like, I'm not real sure he's played in two years. Now, I've watched him minimally this year and he seems to have some pep in his step again like he seems to be over his injuries but still you're trading deandre hopkins like for running back yeah that's like david johnson this is how i view him he's talented but running backs are injury prone all of them and it seems like recently you can find one off the street oh yeah because they say that, you know, I heard it somewhere, and it made a lot of sense, that a lot of the guys that end up playing on NFL teams at running back but were undrafted were undrafted because they run 40 times of, like, 4.8 or 4.9. So they don't have this speed that everyone gets fixated on. But when you get a slow guy sometimes, they're able to, to slowly look where the lanes are. The blocking can develop a little bit. That's why Bill Belichick has change of pace backs. He has like a different type of back for every scenario. He has a speed back, like an agility back, you know, like power back, a short yardage back. Like he's got all the backs because he understands that like certain blocking will go against certain defensive schemes best. Right. And that's how to run it all in there. I don't even know if the Texans have the scheme that they need for David Johnson to succeed. I don't know why that rhymed. Well, but... and like you said earlier. I can't remember if it was this week or last week, but like DeAndre Hopkins made Deshaun Watson look a lot better than he actually is. And so really the guy that should have got money was Hopkins, not Watson so much. Because look at Watson, and, and, you know, I think that right now Watson should go to the Texans and ask for a trade. That's what I would do if I were him, because I think that his career is now about to be headed down the shitter. And if he doesn't do something about it, he's just going to waste away down there. Playoff chances are gone. I, I considered them fodder. They're playoff fodder. It's like when the um, Dolphins used to make it to the playoffs, or the Bills. It would be like, that's cute. Okay. I don't think they're it's making the final it at 56-3. You know, they, well, they're not making it this year, but I'm saying in the past they've made it. Right. And they've just been beaten out like they – it was like a waste of a weekend game where, you're like, you'd see them get matched up against the Patriots and then be like, should we even watch the game? Because, you know, that's boring. Or the Chiefs um, last year. I think they played the Chiefs, didn't they? They were up. Yeah. They were up 24 nothing at halftime, and they lost. And so it is what it is. But I think that Watson is overrated. And I think the reason that he's overrated is not about his talent, not about like what he can do out there. I have questions about how well he can direct an offense out of a, like a pocket and how well he can push the ball down the field accurately. But I think the biggest thing about him is like he kind of looks like the stage is too big for him in a couple ways. And it's kind of like body language. Like he just doesn't look like he's got the confidence. And I don't back think there. he does because his main guy's I don't gone. Think he does. Right, so he's running for his life, and, you know, he got his money, but he he said something, like, to the effect of, like, he's pissed and he's going to go back and work hard like he always does. You know, he was really angry after the game, and I think it goes to show that that he wants to win, he wants to be good, but he realizes, like, damn, I'm in a bad situation now. Like, how did this happen this quickly? 
Like last year, we were up 24 to nothing on the eventual Super Bowl champions. This year, we're 0 and 4, and it's ugly. Like the best football they played was the first half against the Steelers. Yeah, and, and they actually the kind of scared crap. the Steelers, they, like, but not enough. But the Steelers do that every, like they do it so many times. If you look at their history. They'll have a bad first half, and then they'll come out in the second half. They'll have made some sort of an adjustment, and the, the defense just holds them to nothing. So, I don't know. But I, I wrote an article on uh, noholdsbarred.com back in August, and I told I was talking about the, the trade and basically saying that I think if he has a losing season, he's axed. and. You know, somebody should have stopped him from trading Hopkins. It will eventually be his death now. Well, that's what I said. And, that's, and it was. That's the thing I don't understand is who in their right mind was like, you know, Bill O'Brien comes into um, your office, Dan, and he's like, you know what? I don't want DeAndre Hopkins to sign for more money. I, I think we ought to trade him. And this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking... We trade him to Arizona, and guess who we're going to trade him for? We're not going to get a first-round draft pick, and that's going to be okay because we're going to get David Johnson, a running back that hasn't played in two years, and a second-round draft pick, and we're going to swap fourth-rounders. I think that sounds like a good plan. What idiot okays that? Like, I realize he's the GM, but there's got to be like a team president or something that's like, no, Bill. Like, quit drinking and <laughs> yeah. quit shooting crack. And, like, let's Call come back wife, down to earth and see up. this is really how it's going to be. Like, there's no... Do you think they could have... Do you think they could have said to him, like, if you make this trade and it doesn't go well at the beginning of the year, you're, you're gone? I guess they, they could have. I mean, that makes sense. Have, right? but, but I'm like, why let him do that in the first place? DeAndre Hopkins yeah. is about the only good thing you have going after you traded for Laramie Tunsil. Like, they have no first-round picks. first-round picks. They have no second-round picks. Right. Pick. This year either. I don't think um, they had one this year, and they don't have one in the next draft. And I don't know the cap situations, but they're I'm the sure highest the cap situation is no good. They're, the, they're at $248 million. They have the highest payroll in the NFL this year. The Texans, so the zero and four if Texans. Watson, if you're Watson and you're sitting there and you know all this stuff and you just got your deal and O'Brien just got booted, you know, are you sitting there thinking like, what coach in their right mind is going to want to come here? It's kind of like the the coaches that go to Cleveland and they have like the press conference with these like glassy eyes, like, yeah, we're going to go to the Super Bowl, and it's like that's so funny. <laughs> Yeah, like, do you know how many Clevelanders you're driving to further and further alcoholism? And it's just, just you know, like, they, why? Why would you want that job? I mean, I guess you get paid, right? right. But isn't your coaching Lots career like, completely over? It's like, okay, I'll take a job at Cleveland where I'll last maybe a year, and then no one will ever hire me for anything ever again. Great. And it's just like that. So you're going to go, some coach is going to, like, I don't know. They were talking about Dabo Sweeney, possibly. Like, are you kidding me? Why the hell would he come to the Texans? They have the worst situation possible for a coach coming from college to the pros. Who cares if he worked with Watson? This is true. I don't know. Was DeAndre but Hopkins wonder... from Clemson, too? 
I don't know. Clemson. Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. I think uh, who's the uh, he was drafted by the Bills. He's a wide receiver. Now he's with Kansas City. Watkins. Watkins. Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins. He's from Clemson too. Yeah, he is. They have, they're good at finding themselves some receivers. Yes, they are. But didn't hey, the I was going to say, didn't Clemson. the alien play at, uh, at yeah. for Clemson too? We're getting off. Martavis Bryant. Yeah. It doesn't matter, and we need to say it. Martavis Bryant should be playing in the NFL right now. Yes. They should bring him back. He should like be. the guy, the, he's bringing him back. He's awesome. Yep. And uh, I <laughs> – so anyway, that we got off the beaten trail there going down a Clemson hole, but I, I just – like, I don't yeah. understand why they let him do that unless they said, like you, like you just mentioned – uh, this is your last straw. You pull this trade and you stink. You're you're done. So this is like this is your last straw. But me sitting there, I would be like, no, I can't let you make this trade because that is like the identity of our team. He makes our quarterback better, and we need to yeah. keep him. Why are you trading him for a running back? They had Lamar Miller that worked just fine last year, uh, you yeah. know, and they had, you know, they've had some decent fill-in guys. You don't need David Johnson. You need Plus, like, DeAndre Hopkins. Else, yeah, you're definitely right. But something I never hear mentioned is, like, a GM is also supposed to negotiate, right? Right, yeah. Are you telling me that there was nothing that he could negotiate with, with Hopkins? Like, he couldn't. I think Hopkins was due to make twenty or twenty-two million, or was it eight? Whatever it was, it was like it was in the neighborhood where. What if you just convert some of his salary to guarantee or something like, a like that? Bonus, like what if you yeah. just yeah, yeah, like just renegotiate just the the deal for the year to make him get more money up front or something to make him more comfortable, but not need necessarily a raise. And then, like maybe you do have to give him a raise in a year or two. If he can, because he's dragging this team to the playoffs every year. He was, right. and and Hop. I mean, Watson was along for the ride, kind of. I, I mean, Watson's good at times, but like he just doesn't. I've never seen him put a full game together where I was like, "Damn, he's pretty good." Um, I just haven't seen it. I, I'm a doubter. Um, that's that's where it is. So I was telling you earlier, I'm also a doubter of another quarterback from that draft class. Name's Lamar Jackson. Uh oh. It's true. So <laughs> I'm thinking that the I'm wondering if the Kansas City Chiefs exposed Lamar Jackson last weekend. And what I'm wondering is that can Lamar Jackson convert this the offensive game plan where they're running play action um, RPO type pass option plays where you can run pass or he can run Jackson that is. If he can't run that offense and he has to stand back in the pocket and throw the ball, he looks very uncomfortable. He doesn't like his throws don't look like they're getting where he wants them to get there. 
he looks like he's one of those people that's better making the throw as he's moving. He looks more comfortable doing it that way than when he has to stand still and throw the ball. He had a touchdown pass to a tight end named Boyle where it went right by the defender, almost right by his hands, and I don't think the defender was looking for it because his coverage was so tight that he thought there would be no way that a pass would be thrown. And it got to Boyle, but it wasn't even pretty when it hit his hands. So I was thinking, you know, was that the right call in that situation for him to unleash that pass there? Because I wonder how off target he is when he's in the pocket versus how on target he is when he's doing this rollout or he has option to pitch it to somebody or to dump it out in front of him to a tight end or maybe somebody's running a post behind the tight end. Like without that offense, and they have heavy, heavy pre-snap motion. You've seen Baltimore, they run a lot of complex pre-snap motion to help him read the defenses, you know. So if you're back in a shotgun 3-4 wide receiver set, you can run a motion, but you're just running the receiver across the pattern or kind of back to the backfield or something along those lines. So maybe it doesn't give you as much info or maybe the defense doesn't have to move because they're in a zone or something like that. But... That's what I kind of wonder, and so what the Chiefs have done to him, he's he's 0-3 against the Chiefs. Yeah, it's like they're 0-2 in the playoffs. Yeah, but I think his real kryptonite is being behind in the game. The Chiefs were up 14-3 to pretty early in the game, and Mahomes is definitely a better quarterback, and Mahomes, you know, like their their offense is kind of funny, like they. Sometimes it's like they can't be stopped for several drives, and then sometimes it's like they fall asleep or they're busy or texting or God knows what, and uh, they kind of slow down. But Jackson was behind. He looked frustrated. He was punching the ground. He was trying really hard. He was throwing balls. He was starting to get reckless when he was running the ball, and it just doesn't look like a, a recipe for success. Like, it looks like... It looks like a recipe for regular season success. That's what I'm seeing. And so they're going to be a team that has to make another decision, like we're talking about Darnold, giving this guy $100 million or more contract. Maybe he's a $200 million contract. I don't know. That's what they think. But you get involved in a contract with this guy at that price, and his game is stopped either by – teams figuring out a game plan or a scheme or putting, say, a linebacker in a nickel position to run with him. Um, he could easily be kind of nullified here in a few years. If he has an ACL injury, and he kind of loses that burst. You know, there's a lot that, that could happen. Um, yeah, I agree. So. I think the thing that worries me about Jackson is the longevity issue. Um, you're going to be paying him... Mahomes money more than likely and that's that's worrisome to me because there was another guy who had similar characteristics although I think he was a better passer and that's uh, Robert Griffin the third who's now with the Ravens as a backup he actually threw an interception on Sunday um in, good for in him. garbage time yeah but I it, he's one ACL tear away from not being relevant anymore. And I firmly believe that because yeah. part of his elus- elusiveness 
is his speed, and you don't know what he is doing. He runs the RPOs pretty well, but like you said, he's not a real pocket passer. Now, medicine has come a long ways, like ACL rehab, ACL reconstruction, those types of things have improved significantly since like Joe Theismann had to not play anymore because his knee just got so shredded. Um, You know what? I heard that they actually, nobody wanted to sign him because he was too old at that point. Oh. I heard that he would actually physically have been able to come back. And I always just thought his leg dangling there kind of ended it. (laughs) But Uh, age dangling leg, same thing. Yeah, we all have have them. But, I mean, if you look at at RG3, he coming out of Baylor was highly touted for his ability to keep defenses on their toes because he could run, but he could also pass. And that's kind of been something that's very highly sought after ever since Michael Vick kind of, I don't know that he pioneered that, but he was probably the best to do that. He wasn't a great passer, but he was athletic and you had to respect that. And so um, RG3 coming out of college, that was kind of his, he was going to be the next, um, the next quarterback like that. And then they actually, I mean, if you remember, Dan, it, when um, Lamar Jackson was going through the draft process, a lot of teams wanted him to switch to wide receiver. They didn't want him to play quarterback. They wanted him to play wide right. receiver. And so the Ravens drafted him, let him sit behind Flacco for a year, and then they played him, and he did really well. I think, like you said, the tape is out. And teams are going to know how to stop him. They're going to figure it out. And then he make they always, the NFL always makes you a precision and pocket passer. No matter, if you can't do that, then you have no place in the NFL. Eventually, that's what you have to be able to do is be accurate, move the ball down the field, make good reads. And if you can't do that, adios. They, they don't want you anymore. And I feel like well, I'd like to expand on what you're saying there that that I think it's it's almost like the playoffs extend that way. Like you're saying that you have to be able to at some point in the playoffs to win a game, play in the pocket, play from behind, play in an adverse situation. You have to be able to play that in order to get to the Super Bowl. You've never seen a running quarterback or a running offense like that make it all the way to the Super Bowl. And I think it's because of that. Like, all those quarterbacks come to a point where they struggle. I've seen it with Cordell Stewart for many years. I mean, he was the kind of guy where he had to get on a roll. If he didn't get on a roll, he'd get dejected. He'd start throwing interceptions. It was a mess. If he got on a roll, he'd throw three touchdowns and run for 80 yards. And you'd be like, oh, wow, where the hell did this come from? Uh, Jackson... I think is much more capable of beating like 70% of the league on every given Sunday. Whereas those handful of teams that are going to be sitting around come, you know, championship time, divisional playoff time, they're going to give him fits. Cause like you're saying that scheme's going to happen. So I think eventually, you know, I, I kind of predict that he's going to, they're going to lose in the playoffs again. I, they might win a game, but I think that they're going to lose out of the playoffs. 
you look at the history of the NFL, teams typically enter the playoffs one year, get swept or out right away. The next year they're back and win a game, and then they're out. And then maybe next year they're back and win a Super Bowl or win a game or two, and they get to the championship game. Usually it's a progression. Right. So I would think that it's possible that he does win a playoff game this year but loses ultimately in the playoffs because of the same thing that we're seeing. He might, in fact, lose to the Chiefs. I was going to say, unless he plays the Chiefs, he probably he might win a game unless they play them first off. Yeah. I could see the Ravens being able to beat the Titans again or, or, or next, you know, the playoffs uh, as opposed to losing to them since they've already played. I believe they play this year as well in the regular season. Um, <clears throat> but I do think that an offense like they're trying to run there is short-lived, and Jackson's going to be coming up soon asking for his contract. Yep. And it's going to be – I think John Harbaugh is going to get himself in a situation kind of like Bill O'Brien where it's almost going to be like he goes to the owner and says, I want you to give Jackson the contract. And they're going to say, okay, but this is on you. You know, if we pay him and in a year or two this is fall apart, you know, because let's be honest, Ingram is not going to be around forever. Running backs have a short shelf life. And he's thirty, if not close. Um, they just and got so they did drop J.K. Dobbins, yeah. right? They're kind of not playing him as much. They have somebody else. Uh, I can't think of his name, like Thompson or, or something like that. Um, he's number thirty-five, I believe. He he plays a decent bit. So Dobbins hasn't come in yet. They they know how to get running backs. They do have good running backs, and I think like. I, the Ravens have always struggled to draft receivers, in my opinion. Um, Hollywood Brown is small for my liking. I like my receivers to be, you know, a minimum of like 6'7", 245 yeah, pounds, exactly. running a 4'2", 40. Yeah. Um, but, Madden, <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but I, I do think that he's a little bit small. If he puts on extra weight to, to gain strength, eventually his speed's going to slow down a little bit. But I would worry about injuries with him. Um, they do have some good tight ends, but you know, in a couple of years, they're going to, they're going to have to draft a contingency plan because I don't think you want Robert Griffin, the third to be your contingency plan. No. I, I think he would fit into this offense. They'd be able to run the exact same thing. Maybe he would look pretty good in it too, if he had extended time in it. Right. Um, but I think he, he's one of those guys where. I just wouldn't trust him. At some point, he's going to do something that you just like look at, like what, why, why would you do this? I, I just don't trust him at that. So that's why he's a backup. <laughs> but uh, Jackson, I just wonder about his longevity. Yep, I'm right there with you. So, I I worry about his longevity, and then if that does ever, you know, if that ever does happen, where his athleticism is taken away from him. And I don't wish that on him, Ricky Bobby. But if it is, <laughs> you have to wonder: Can he make those throws without his athleticism? And I just, I don't. I haven't watched him a ton, but I don't. Everybody I talk to just says, you know, he's not really a great passer. Uh, he's okay, yeah. but you know. Eventually, you're gonna have it to. It just doesn't beat, look pretty. Yeah, you're gonna have to beat some teams with your arm, 
they're going to stuff the run and they're going to make you they're going to make yeah. you pass and they're going to make you beat them with your arm and the question kind of is can he do that i, I don't know that i don't know that he can um i say he has not done it yet okay yep because the way that they've been playing their games they usually are winning like 35 to 21 playing the Cleveland Browns. Right. And then they have one of the easiest schedules in the league this year, so expect them to be one of the top seeds unless Pittsburgh puts a thumping on them and the Browns come back and win one game. Yeah, and the Browns have actually looked good the past couple weeks. Imagine that. But they also did play... I don't like to. Makes my head hurt, but... They also... They played... (laughs) They played... uh, Who did they play? Dang it. Cowboys. Cowboys, yeah, they murdered the Cowboys. Yeah. Jeez Louise, yeah, that wasn't even like a pretty game. That was just a slaughter. And then they almost lost it, in true Browns fashion. They almost, they it's almost ridiculous. let it slip away. But Mayfield's stats sucked, though. He, he basically, it was all running game. I don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's oh, that, that's a soundbite. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to get that as a yes. soundbite. I don't like Baker Mayfield. I don't I, like him. I can't stand him on like the Hulu commercials or whatever his stadium commercials oh are. I can't stand Can I just him as a person. I just. I. Why the hell is there a commercial where he lives at Brown Stadium? There's and several that's where of them. He has them. some women over for a book yeah. club. Yeah. And nacho so sauce. So he has a book club where he's acting all effeminate, and he's talking about a love scene in the book. Like, what the hell are they trying to? Why does that exist? I don't know. There's got to no, be a I don't screw know. loose, and he had to have been paid a lot of money. But it's so sad. I I don't know. I don't know why that exists, but it it does. And we I. I just cringe every time I see it. I'm like, I just like him less and less when I see that commercial with the cheese sauce. So. Oh, God. Speaking of cringing, the 49ers are cringing at all these injuries. What the hell is going on with the 49ers? I don't know they what have... the, if it's the whole NFL, really. I mean, you look across the NFL – the, the Niners have been hit very hard. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, golly, Mostert, Garoppolo, Boza's out. Uh, they lost. The- Boza's out for the yep. year. He's a defensive lineman. D Ford's out for the year. I think he's out for the year, defensive lineman. They signed Ziggy Ansa. Yep. He's with them for one week, tears his biceps done for the year. I think Jordan Reed has a concussion, which that's, is his 7,000th yeah, concussion. He needs to just so hang He might it be up. legally dead. Um, Richard Sherman's injured with a calf strain, which I believe, like, I'm wondering if he's got some kind of Achilles partial tear. Solomon Thomas, he's down for the year. Um, Tavon Austin, I don't know what. I didn't even know that they had him. but And then they had... Yeah, I mean Denzel Mims, I think, yeah. and he's been out for two years. He's yet to play a snap yet, or I, I that was redundant. He's yet to play a snap in the NFL because he hurt himself again this year in the off season. 
You know, so I, I look at teams like the 49ers that have this kind of stuff happen where a guy gets on the team, tears his biceps right away. You've had two being Nick Bosa and uh, Solomon Thomas, both ACL tears, and I believe that D Ford, I believe he's out for the year, but he might not be. I'm looking at their injury uh, reserve right now, but this year the injury reserve is not the same as it used to be. You can put guys on the injury reserve for three weeks and then activate right. them. Yep. I don't know exactly how many guys you can do that with. But that being said, they have three defensive linemen listed here on the injured reserve. So they're all done for the year, and then they sign a guy, and then he's immediately done for the year. That's four defensive linemen in four weeks done for the year. You have to look at that and say, is this, is this just bad luck? Or is this something about the way that they're training, something about the nutrition program, something about something that the team is doing, something that they're not doing? I really look at it and wonder because they, they've got so many guys getting hurt. And other teams, you're right, the injuries are up, but injuries always happen. Injuries always occur. But those, um, I was watching the Jet game, and one of the receivers, it might have been Crowder that we were talking about earlier, he, like, strained his hamstring, and the way it looked was like his foot got stuck in the ground and he couldn't move in MetLife Stadium. And I don't know if the listeners are, are aware, but a lot of these 49ers injuries happened in back-to-back games in MetLife Stadium, yep. playing the New York Jets and then playing the New York Giants um, in back-to-back weeks. And so I, I put it to you, Dr. Tyler over there, what, what do you think? Do you think it's possible that teams don't understand conditioning and training to a point where they could be doing it wrong, be doing it excessively, and putting their athletes in a position where they're much more prone to injury because the programs that they're following aren't what's best for their body? Yes. <laughs> Thank Good night. <laughs> yes, and good night. Um, it, it's interesting this year. I think if anything I've learned from watching football this year, I think it's the need for a preseason and definitely for off-season programs. Mm. And people don't like to point. hear that because they're like, oh, more people get injured in the preseason. And I beg to differ. I feel like... You can't just go from sitting on your couch to running at 100% and cutting and and playing like, you know, lights out without risking some type of inner injury. I know these guys are professional athletes. I know they take right. care of their bodies. I mean, all you have to do is look up James Harrison and and you know that people take care of their bodies, but not everybody is like James Harrison. Dan it's they don't all just take care of themselves really well in the off season so you know you've got maybe some you can't really train for it can you like like the whole like game scenario physical exertion you can't yeah you can have people hit you with pads but it's it's different to have somebody launching themselves at you and taking the demand to you physically is consistently a, a mystery the entire time you're playing. You engage, you might be leaning to the left, you might be crouched to the right, you might have to move to the left from the right. It's, it's who knows. 
you know, but, but I looked at like, um, specifically when Nick Bosa tore his knee, did you see the play? Um, no, I did not. I just saw him being he, carted off. I believe he was being blocked facing one, like, let's say the 49ers sideline and the play came back behind him and he tried to move, like twist himself to go after the runner and his leg just didn't come off the ground. But it was kind of reminded me of that. Um, <clears throat> oh, damn. Who was that Packers wide receiver? The tall white guy. Jordy Nelson. Oh, yeah. Jordy Nelson, in the preseason three or four years ago, he caught a pass against the Steelers, and he was in midair when he caught it. No one around him. So he started twisting his body before he landed. So he landed on one leg with his leg twisted right. and immediately broke, like tore his ACL. And I was, I'm, I'm watching that, and I think I probably asked you at that time. I was like, "Do you think that the teams discuss the mechanism of injury with these guys? Like, I know they don't want to hear this crap because they're immortals, but the the fact is, if if you could get the guys to buy in to listen to it, you could explain to them the type of planted foot in the ground twisting injuries that occur to the knee that they could avoid by not trying to do too much in a moment. Right. Like wait until your weight is off your body and then maneuver. Like maybe it changes them. Maybe it doesn't. But I wonder when I look at the 49ers and all these injuries, is this something that needs to be addressed with them? Yeah. And <laughs> I don't know if it's poor nutrition, if it's bad training, but I think all of it probably comes down to they went from doing not much to, okay, we're going to have yeah. a season. Here's training camp for a couple weeks. Now we're going right into games. And I think that has a lot to, sorry, has a lot to do with it as well. Just them not, um, you're right. not being conditioned, game conditioned enough to the point where, you know, their body is a little bit more used to taking the brunt of those hits. Um, it's been a while since they last played. They didn't do off-season programs at all. You tend to get out of shape when you don't use your muscles. Stability goes away. Training, uh, proprioception goes away. The, le the less you use. Recovery is longer. What's that? Recovery is right? longer as well. Yep recovery is longer so i think it's a whole gamut of stuff not maybe okay. it's not just one thing you mentioned quite a few things nutrition yeah. strength um i think just taking hits kind of you know get your body used to that before you start going in a hundred percent um what's interesting is a lot of them took place in like week two it wasn't week one yeah. which goes back to your point of it takes your body longer when it's out of shape to recover. And perhaps it, it right. had to do something with that, that the recovery, they right. weren't in shape. The recovery should have taken a shorter period of time normally, but now it is taking longer because they're not as in good of shape. More injuries happen that second week. And even into the third week, there were a lot of injuries. This week kind of slowed down, um, but I mean second week you lost Barkley you lost Boza you lost uh Devontae Adams got hurt for the Packers 
Um, I, I, I think there was like – What's that? Wasn't Drew Locke that way? Drew Locke hurt his shoulder. But there was like five or six people that tore ACLs. Thomas. Uh, he was a 49er, Solomon Thomas. Okay. And there was a wide receiver. hamstring strain. Some of them were Um, scrubs, but there was a wide receiver for the Seahawks as well that he tore his ACL. So there's a lot of stuff that that goes into that. But I would say yes to all of the things that you mentioned. Okay. Well, do you have any other topics for us for this evening? I don't. I think think my uh, melatonin is kicking in. (laughs) My... I am tired. Man, I'm never going to well, let my daughter roofie me again. We're going to have a yeah, talk. Yeah, that's what tonight. drugs do to you. Yeah, no more drugs. I'll, I'll call rehabs. I'll call some rehab centers tomorrow and you know, get some estimates for you. Uh, I'm going to need Mark Cuban we'll, we'll to, to pay for that. <laughs> so. Okay. All righty. Well, that is it for this evening. Thanks for tuning in to a bit of anything, a bit of anything podcast. I am Tyler signing off. Make sure you check out Dr. Dan's website. Dr. Dan, you want to plug that again right here at the end? Yes. It's noholdsbarred.com. Actually, noholdsbarredsports.com. I put some articles up about pertinent NFL news and my opinions of it. And time to time, I drop a couple F-bombs and things like that. (laughs) That... So it's clinically come proven. over, read, get a laugh. There you go. Yes. It's clinically proven to to help you feel better. So there's that for you. It does. Once again, I, I read my own articles and they make me laugh sometimes. So. That's when you know it's good. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Well, once again, thanks for All tuning right. in. Have a wonderful evening or day or whenever you listen to this. This is Tyler signing off from a bit of anything. And don't do melatonin. Don't take melatonin. Don't do it. Good night.